Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the Life Autistic Podcast with Ryan Summers. When I hit my 40s, after a lifetime of thinking, what the fuck is wrong with me? I finally discovered that I was undiagnosed autistic. This podcast is my journey, my discoveries, learning about autism, about my autism, about life with autism, and having conversations with other autistic adults, sharing our experiences relating to one another. And hopefully anyone listening can learn a little bit about us, learn a little bit from us about the life autistic available on any podcast app that you use hope you enjoy and give us a shout if you got questions or comments thank you is it working is it working is it working i think it's working it's recording yeah there we are. Like I said, you know I'm almost dead. You know I'm almost gone. Hello, everyone. This is me, Ryan. Welcome to the Life Autistic Podcast. It's a beautiful, dark morning here. It's um just about 7 a.m. I've been up for a couple hours just uh drinking coffee and staring out the window and listening to the freezing rain coming down. Um, it's a couple days after Christmas and yeah, it's just a dark, windy, kind of rainy, freezing rainy sort of day here. 
just drinking some coffee. Um, and yeah, I wanted to do one more before the end of the year. Just a little, um, just by myself, just a little um, kind of wrap up the year podcast. Uh, I've got a bunch of uh, conversations lined up for the next few weeks. So that's pretty cool. Um, God, I just love getting a chance to talk to talk to you people, you know, um, my, my autistic brothers and sisters, it just feels so good. Um, I think it was a week or two ago, we had Rose on and, and it was so funny afterwards because I mentioned to Drew, I said, you know, most of my interactions in the neurotypical world leave me feeling depleted. Like it's using up energy from my battery and I have to kind of go home and recharge afterwards and I said after I talked to her I was I got up out of my chair and I was just energized I was dancing around the kitchen making coffee I was like yeah 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 and I was like it's so it's such a strange feeling to have these conversations with other autistic people and just feel like there's this this instant connection this instant like we're on the same wavelength and I don't feel that same energy depletion. It's like a, it's a, just a really, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's just, and it's funny because then I messaged her after and said, this is how I felt. She was like, me too. I was like dancing around my kitchen. Like it felt so good. And it's like, oh my God, like what a cool feeling. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to be connecting. I'm so grateful, A, to have discovered that I'm autistic, like, holy crap, what a life changer, you know, after being on this earth for 40 plus years, to finally um, have that feeling of, oh, this is what I am, oh, okay, like, after years of going, what the fuck is wrong with me, you know, to have that feeling of, oh, okay, this is it, and then also to then start connecting with other people, um, who are the same and by the same, I mean, different, you know, just to, but to connect, um, is such a cool feeling. It's, I don't know how to describe it. Like, um, yeah, it's just so weird. It feels so good. I love doing this. I absolutely love doing this. Like my, my heart is full doing this podcast. Uh, I know it's been sort of spotty here and there. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny because I laugh and go, well, you know, executive function is one of the challenges of um, being autistic. So trying to do something like this where you go, okay, I'm going to get organized and I'm going to do it every day on this day and do this, 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 and I'm going to answer all the emails and do all that. And it's like, yeah, no, you're not. You're just not. So um, that's why I've, I've, um, um got uh drew getting involved he was on the last episode the one before um so drew's a guy i've known for a long time and we worked together years ago he was producing a tv show and i, I came in a few times to do some stuff on the show um and yeah he reached out to me and just said hey man i've been checking out your podcast i think it's really great we started talking back and forth um, and then his producer mind started kicking some ideas my way of how he could help. And I just said, okay, man, let's do it. Because um, 
I kind of need somebody to help me with the vision of this thing and with just kind of um, kicking it up. So I'm really excited about that. In the new year, uh, we're going to see some changes with this podcast and and just to get on more of a regular schedule, um, start to really try to produce the show in a, in a quality kind of way. Um, I'm not going to change anything as far as keeping it what it is. I mean, I like that it's free form. I like that it's long conversations. I like that we can just get people on and talk and let the conversation go wherever it goes. Um, so I'm not going to like change any of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything to stifle the freedom or the creativity, um, or the fun of it. Uh, but we are going to just sort of tighten things up a little bit and I, that's cool. That's exciting to me. So, yeah. So, I mean, going into January, I mean, right now, I think we'll maybe take a, a week or two off just cause it's, you know, crazy and, there's lots to figure out. We do have some things to work on sort of behind the scenes, but uh, then we'll start getting into putting out one a week. That's the plan. Get one episode out every week. And if you are uh, listening and, um, you know, that'll be cool. Get one out one a week. And if you are out there and you are interested in being on the podcast, uh, just reach out. Um, all the social media Facebook, Instagram, whatever, or the best way is email the life autistic podcast at gmail.com. So just all one word, the life autistic podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. And we'll just keep doing what we do. Um, and also, I mean, anyone who's coming on, if you're worried about what you might say or whatever, whatever, I mean, if you do come on the show and you say something and then afterwards you're like, I don't really know if I want that out there, just let us know and we'll delete it before we put it out there. I don't want to put anybody in any awkward position. Um, I don't want to put anybody in a position where that could have any negative ramifications in their life. Um, I just want it to be fun. I want it to be free. I want us to have a place to connect and share. And um I'm finding so much value in doing this show. The people I've had on the show are telling me that they've had found value in being on it. And then uh, I'm getting letters and e not letters. I mean, I'm, no one's mailing me paper, but uh, I'm getting messages and emails from people all around the world telling me that they appreciate this show. And that is probably the coolest part for me or one of the coolest things. I mean, getting, um, getting, uh, I mean, I'm going to go through some, some Q and a today, some letters that I got today. And that, I mean, messages, um, from letters, it's making me crazy. I keep saying letters, letters don't exist anymore. Nobody mails letters, but I'm so used to saying letters, but then every time I hear myself say letters, I, I it like bothers me. Cause I'm like, what's well, not actually a letter you're getting <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Uh, but anyway, messages, um, from people all over the world. It's just really cool from the UK, from Australia from the States, from Canada. Um, uh, yeah. And the, there's a lot of messages I haven't gotten to yet. A lot of people have messaged me on the Facebook page, Instagram that I just haven't replied yet. So I'm sorry. I'm trying. I just, you know, I'll get there. If you don't hear back, just message me again and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. But, um, I guess I should get into it. Um, I just brewed another coffee. I'm just going to run and get it. So, uh, you know, you're going to have um, about 
seven or eight seconds of silence. Ah, fresh, fresh coffee, fresh coffee. I got this um, like West Coast blend coffee and I just love it because it actually tastes like the coffee you get in BC in the Pacific Northwest, which is my spiritual home, which I love. So anyway, I'm going to get into some of these notes. So uh, I just kind of put them all together in no real particular order. So let me just go into it. Um, Okay, the first one. This is from Kathy. I don't. I didn't write down where Kathy's from, so I don't know where Kathy's from. Um, oh, this is a saucy one to start with. So Kathy says, my husband is most comf comfortable going to the same restaurants, eating the same foods, traveling to the same places. And I think it's about predictability and comfort for him. But when we are intimate, he is comfortable doing the same things. And it usually means he isn't all that explorational and creative in the love department. In fact, he is downright awkward and clumsy. He has books, the internet, and we've seen a therapist who specializes in intimacy who gave us lots of ideas, none of which ever became part of our experience. So I want to know if his lack of comfort and creativity, is it because of his ASD and ADD? I can reset my quote, patience button, unquote, if I know this is his hardwiring. But if it is just laziness or something else, we have some serious work to do here. I hope my question doesn't embarrass you. Well, thank you for that question. Um, I don't believe in embarrassment as a, as a concept overall. I just don't think it, it it's, makes sense. So uh, I don't get embarrassed by talking about anything. I think, you know, we're all humans. We all have the same body functions and weird things we do and you know whatever whatever so i don't yeah for thanks for saying that but man forget embarrassment i don't believe in it so let's talk about this um this is an interesting one i might actually want to get somebody who knows more about this in on this to answer this uh so if anyone has any answers to this question please leave them in the comments or send me a note or comment on uh, you know um I certainly think I can't speak for all people and I can't speak for all autistic people. I can speak for myself. I know for me, um, as far as intimacy goes, I'm generally pretty vanilla. Like I, I like the feeling of like closeness and, and connection um, but I've, I've never particularly been all that, um, into anything. I don't know how to just, how to even say this. Yeah. I'm just pretty normal. I just, I've always kind of liked just normal lovemaking and just that connection and being close and being, um, for me, it's always been, I've needed to feel a connection with somebody. I, I'm not into just having sex for its own sake. Uh, I'm not into like porn style, just fucking like I just I've never been into that. It's like it's always for me about a connection. It's about um, 
love or or if not love then at least connection and closeness and i'm always been kind of preferred things on the gentler side i guess for me if things get too intense it's probably just becomes too much for me i think uh so yeah okay now that i'm talking about this i'm sort of finding my way through the answer uh yeah i don't know for me, I find it's more about a connection. It's, I, I prefer something more gentle, um, you know, more like lovemaking, I guess you could say. Um, it's really about closeness and togetherness. And I, I think um, that sens sensory experience for me has always, I prefer it if it's on the calmer side and it's sort of, calm and, and, and peaceful and gentle and those types of things. So uh, I've been with people that have wanted things a little spicier and I've just not really been able to get into it. I've, I've, I've tried and been like, I'll, for you, I'll try, but it's just not my thing. Um, I just don't, you know, whatever. I don't know. So I don't know if, if that's common with autistic people. I, I'm sure there's a huge spectrum, obviously. I mean, I'm sure there's autistic people that are into all kinds of, you know, fetishes and different experiences and whatever. I mean, this is the thing about the sensory side of autism is, is um, it kind of goes in a lot of different directions. You know, you have some people uh, and even with some people that are, you know, are oversensitive to sensory input and some people are sensory seeking and some people, I mean, it's a combination within individual autistic people. I mean, I know for me, there are some sensory things that, are overwhelming that I can't handle. And there are other sensory things that I seek because they feel good. Um, even some things that are borderline painful that uh, feel good. So I don't know. Uh, and, I, and I don't mean that in a sexual context. I just mean that in a general context. So yeah, I don't really know um, here. I mean, sounds like you're trying, you're seeing a therapist, you're, you're doing all this stuff. Um, I want to know if, if this lack of, here's back to her letter. I want to know if this lack of comfort and creativity is because of his ASD and ADD. Um, maybe, I don't really know. This is interesting. I, I'd really love to hear from someone else who might have a better answer to this question. I feel like for me, that lack of comfort and creativity, for me personally, it feels related because I feel that sort of lack of creativity uh, in lovemaking. Like I'm just not interested in, anything too crazy uh and that for me feels like it's related to my asd but i don't know if that's true or not and i don't know if that's common or not with autistic people uh i just don't know so i mean you go back to the top of your letter you're comfortable he's comfortable going to the same restaurants eating the same foods traveling the same places i mean that predictability and comfort uh yeah that sounds very familiar um you know i know a lot of autistic people like we like to go to the same restaurant, order the same thing, eat the same food. Um, you know, I could eat the same. I, I sometimes eat the same food for months at a time. And I just, I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about cooking something else. It's just like, I just, I, if I like something, I just eat the same thing forever. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, this is a, an area I'll, I'll maybe do some reading about and learning about. Um, I'm curious about, but uh, I really wonder if anyone out there listening would have a better answer for this. So if anyone does have an idea, a better idea, 
please, again, message me, comment, leave comments, send me audio. Um, and there it is. Uh, okay, I'm going to go to the next one. Uh, this is from Charlotte. Uh, hey, you don't know me, but I've discovered your podcast today. I'm only at episode two, but I felt the need to send you a message. Like you, I'm not diagnosed yet. Well, I wasn't at episode two. But while I'm suspecting strongly that I am on the spectrum, I don't really know what to do with it. I'm also lost. All I wanted to say is that we have very, we have lots of E's and very similar symptoms. And when you say that you might sound crazy nonstop during the second episode, I wanted to let you know that out there, there's a girl that feels 110% of what you feel and it's not crazy you actually reached her. Well, thank you. That feels good. Back to the letter. It felt very good to hear for the first time someone feeling like me, and I wanted to thank you for putting yourself out there. The anxiety, the processing, everything. I get it. You made yourself a fan out there. I'll keep listening to your episodes as they come. Thank you for your bravery. Um, that's from Charlotte. Man, that feels good. Thank you, Charlotte. That's really, I mean, this is why I'm doing this. Um, just kind of going through this in this audio way and this podcast and talking about these feelings. And I mean, part of it is doubting yourself. Part of it is feeling crazy. Part of it is just trying to figure it out because you're like sitting here going, I've felt these weird things my whole life. And like, what do I do? What does it all mean? Um, trying to make sense of it. So when I started going through this process, I wanted to do, I just had this, it just came to me. I was like, I'm going to podcast this. I'm going to document this process. I'm going to share it with the world because I know there are other people out there who feel like me. And, and this is you, Charlotte, sending me this note, like you're who I made it for. And I'm so glad. And to read that and for you to say that I reached you. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. Your note is now reaching me. And that's why, um, I'm doing this and I want to hear back from you. I want to know where you're at in your journey because you said, again, you're not diagnosed, but you're relating to all this stuff. And yeah, there's a lot of us out there going through that, hearing these things, reading articles, reading stuff online, hearing podcasts and seeing and hearing ourselves in it and then starting that journey of discovery. I mean, that's what, that's what started it for me. You know, um, I read a couple of articles written by people um, with Asperger's and I just went, Oh, huh that's me i could have written that like this is that just i just connected to it so thanks for the note that's amazing um if you hear this one write me again i want to know where you're at with your journey and what's going on because you, you like you said at this one you wrote this having only listened up to episode two i'm now at a point where after 18 months i got received whatever you want to say uh, officially a diagnosis of ASD level one, um, you know, two months ago. And it's such a trippy, surreal, kind of awesome, empowering, validating so many things. Um, it was really strange to be going through the process. And once I had figured it out and I went, okay, this is what it is. I'm autistic. And then shared that with people and have people just be like, look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, I even had a counselor just be like, you're not autistic. And I was like, no, I am. And he just started asking me all these questions to like prove to me that I'm not autistic. And I was like, 
I've, I've just looked at him like, you know, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. And I've just spent the last 18 months of my life studying this topic. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've become somewhat of an expert. I've read a dozen books and hundreds of articles and all this stuff. And like, I can kind of recognize these patterns. Like it's not, I'm not just making something up. It's like, it's just such a weird feeling to have people kind of just like almost accuse you of like trying to make something up. And you're just looking at them like, you know, I remember this one counselor said to me, he's like, you know, you should drop this whole autism thing. And I just looked at him and I go, it isn't this whole autism thing. Like that phrase you used is not, um, it's just fucked up. So it's just fucked up to even frame it like that. Like, as if it's just some thing I'm doing, like a coat I'm trying on. It's like, well, no, this isn't a coat I'm trying on. It's, it's actually my skin. It's like, actually, <laughs> you know, uh, so anyway, I don't know. There it is. Sip of coffee. Thanks for the letter. The, the letter. I keep saying that it's making me crazy. Thanks for the note, Charlotte, you rule. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's go on to the next one. Um, This is just a quick one. This is from uh, Texas. Hey, Ryan, I just started listening to your podcast. Great stuff. I live in Houston, Texas. Recently diagnosed, 30-year-old, 39-year-old, married, and new dad. I go through a lot of the same issues you face. Mike. Thanks for the note, Mike. Um, that's cool, man. It's just so neat for me to get these notes from people from different places. Like, I'm like, so it's like, man, what a cool time to be alive that I can just record something put it up on the internet and then you know mike in houston texas is listening to it like that's so cool um well congrats on being a new dad mike that's amazing um thanks for the note and yeah it sounds like recently diagnosed at 39 uh it sounds like we, we could have a lot to talk about so if you ever want to come on the show and talk about your experiences man i'd love to do that so thank you um next note uh, do, 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 do. Uh, I'd like to hear more on how a psychologist or psychiatrist helps you when you finally get a good psychologist or psychiatrist and also how you manage parenting with Asperger's. You seem like a really chilled and involved dad. That's from Yvonne. Um, thanks Yvonne. Um, I do um, love being a dad. It's the single best thing about my life i love my kid more than the whole universe obviously and she's just so cool and we have such a special relationship um i love it and i don't know i guess there's sort of two parts to this question so the first one is uh maybe more on how a, you want to know more on how a psychologist or psychiatrist helps me i don't have one right now um uh I was seeing a, like a psychological counselor for a while, but not related to autism, uh, just about regular life stuff. He's awesome. And uh, I haven't been to see him in a while, just uh, um, with the whole COVID shutdown and things like money is tight. And unfortunately, that's just one of the things that isn't in the budget right now, um, you know. 
food and you know groceries and bills and gas in the car and car insurance and all that stuff comes first unfortunately so yeah um right now i'm not seeing anybody um i don't know uh now that i have an official diagnosis i'm going to take that diagnosis to my my family doctor and then see if i, I mean i haven't even thought about this really but I, I i might see if i can get a referral to a psychiatrist uh i think that's covered under ohip ohip is the ontario health for those listening in other places like uh, uh canada we have um government-run medical uh so ohip is ontario so if i'm covered with that then i could potentially uh get a psychiatrist i believe uh i don't think psychologists are covered um so i don't know right now i'm not actually seeing any counselor therapist psychologist psychiatrist or anything like that uh i do plan on um, doing that going forward but again it's just a matter of i don't have um coverage like benefits or anything right now so i just can't spend the money on that stuff currently so you know, as I get into it down the road and, 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 and do that, um, I'll, I'll keep you all up to date on, on that. Um, the, uh, Asperger's and ADHD center in Guelph, which is where I went to go through the assessment diagnosis process. They have therapists there, um, that I think I'll probably want to be working with going forward. Um, because this is, this is their specialty. This is their area. Um, there's also a naturopath there that I want to work with because I want to see about um, just my overall health in relation to autism and ADHD and just uh, find out, you know, like what kind of different things like the environment, things in the environment or foods I eat or that type of thing, how it can affect. Because um, I've been doing a lot of experimentation on myself with uh, foods and just noticing a huge, huge um, unbelievable effects of certain foods on me uh that it's just blowing my mind that i never would have known um so that's maybe i'll do a whole show on that one day um to talk about that kind of stuff uh anyway so there we go um currently not seeing a psychiatrist or psychologist but i'll update you all when that changes and then as far as parenting goes mm, Sorry, just drinking coffee there. As far as parenting goes with Asperger's, um, I mean, like every aspect of life, there's challenges. Um, but I mean, you know what? What is not challenged is just um, loving your kid. You know, like loving your kid. I think in some ways there's some advantages because I really. I feel like I really listen to her. I really try to listen to what she says to not try to um, not try to ascribe meaning to what she's saying other than the actual words she uses to. And I ask her for clarity. Like if she's saying something and I'm not understanding, I'll just say, honey, like, let's really like look at our language and, and, and help her develop her language and use her language. And, she's really smart. She's articulate. Like she's a really great kid. And, um, so I think in some ways there's some advantages. Um, I think when you live your whole life with, um, autism, you, uh, 
I mean, I don't know. I'm going to make a generalization here, but I think there can be, it can be really forgiving because you know how easy it is to be misinterpreted by the world or to just mean one thing and have it taken another way and all this stuff. So you can be really forgiving. So, I mean, I'm just, my approach with her is just like, I'm gentle. Uh, I'm firm in, in protecting her and keeping her safe and enforcing rules that we need to like, no, you can't have unlimited access to candy, like obviously. So like firm in certain things, but also, but gently firm, you know, if that makes sense. Um, and also like, I mean, I'm so interested in exploring the world that, I mean, uh, that's my focus when I'm with her is, um, cause her mom and I aren't, aren't together anymore. So w- when she's with me, um, you know, I got her a microscope for Christmas and like, I've got her binoculars and like that kind of stuff. We have a telescope. So it's like, I really like to spend time with her trying to learn about the natural world. So we got, I got her this microscope for Christmas and so we can go on nature walks and like bring back things that we want to look at under the microscope and you know, um, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. And like, I love nature. I love going for walks in the woods. So that's a big thing we do all the time. So I don't know. I mean, that's for me really important. Just that I think also, uh, you have to show them how important your own health is for you. So that's something that I've really, uh, taken on in the last little bit. I kind of, um, you know, I like to, I like her to see me running. I have a running stroller, so I take her for runs. Uh, all the time so she can pop in the stroller and we can play some music on my phone and I take her for a run and she gets to go for a ride and it's great and she sees me when we get back home like she sees me I'm doing sit-ups and crunches and push-ups and we do yoga together we just there's a cosmic kids yoga on YouTube which is like really fun yoga for kids so we put that on we put our yoga mats down on the floor we both do yoga together um so we do all this kind of fun stuff you know um this is actually another thing uh, I would love to hear from more people out there. I mean, uh, other parents. So you're autistic, you have kids. I want to hear from you. What do you think are the uh, challenges of uh, parenting with autism? And what do you think are the um, positives, just the, the things that you, you feel like the gifts that your autism gives you on the parenting front? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there are more challenges to come down the road, but, um, I don't know. I think I just try to make my daughter, like the thing I try to reinforce with her all the time that I think is the most important thing is just like unconditional love and acceptance. Like that to me is the biggest thing. And that to me is something I think the autism community wants from the rest of the world is just acceptance. Uh, and I just tell my daughter every day I see her, I just go, I love you unconditionally. Um, doesn't matter if you make mistakes or do bad things or whatever it is. Like, I still love you. My love never goes away. So I want her to always know that. And then I, and I always tell her also that I accept you. I accept you for who you are. And again, it doesn't matter if you, you're learning and you're going to, you're going to do bad things and that's just part of life, but I will always love and accept you. And then I will try to help you understand if you do bad things and, and, and to um, decide who you want to be. 
So, I mean, I do, I do that a lot with her. Like if she lies to me and then she tells me the truth and then I just say, Hey honey, like when you were lying to me, how did you feel? She'll kind of go, Oh, not really that good. And I go, okay. And then I go, and then when you told me the truth, how did you feel? She goes, you know, actually I felt good. I felt better when I told you the truth. And I go, okay, so this is telling us something. It's like how we feel inside when we behave certain ways is our guiding light. And that tells us how to be. So, you know, I just try to reinforce that with her, like, listen to your heart, listen to your intuition, listen to your feelings. And that will tell you if you're doing the right thing or not. And, you know, that's also, I guess my approach to parenting is, is, uh, just try to be, you know, gentle, but firm, you know, your number one job is to keep them safe. Your number two job is to love them unconditionally. And then your number three job is to just have fun and learn stuff, you know? Um, but, but you want to, you want to be there. You want to be their safe place. And that's, I think the biggest thing for me is, is I, I'm her dad, I'm daddy bear and I just want to be her safe place. So anyway, that didn't really answer your question at all, but thanks for the question. Um, where are we going now? Next question. Hey, Ryan, I've been enjoying your show from all the way over here in the UK and eagerly await more. I hope you're getting the support you need. Um, I'm 34 and only realized I was autistic last year when my then two-year-old son was diagnosed. Now all the pieces fit and I have my full assessment next month after 18 months of waiting. I struggle daily with so many, so much in life, and it's great to know I'm not alone in this. Anyway, I just wanted to touch base. Take care, Nathan. So that's awesome. Um, from the UK, that's Nathan, 34. So, dude, Nathan, I'd love to talk to you, man. Come, come be on the show. I'd love to chat, chat with you about your experience because – this is this is like the thing that I'm so fascinated by is like all these people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, undiagnosed, late diagnosed, all of a sudden going, oh, and like coming to this realization and then going through this process. So 18 months of waiting. Yeah, that sounds about right. Seems to be very common. A lot of people, once they kind of uh, have that aha moment themselves, and then they want to get go through that assessment diagnosis process. And it's you know, I remember the very first meeting I went to, the very first meeting in London of the London Autistic Standing Together support group. And someone there said to me, because I was just the beginning of my journey. And she was like, it's going to take you two years. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, this process of getting a diagnosis is going to take you two years. And a lot of the stuff I read was talking about some similar things. So, um, anyway, so, well, thanks for the note, Nathan. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. And wish you luck and it's really cool to hear from you and yeah let's talk later okay come come be on the show anyway all of you whoever wrote notes you're all invited come be on the show uh next one hi ryan my name is skylar i'm 20 years old i've struggled with asperger's all my life i've never been good at making friends keeping conversations going or holding a steady job as of recently i've struggled a lot with my anxiety around new people I also have pretty bad depression for a few years now. When I meet new people, my mind goes blank and I have no idea what to say. Oh, I, I could have written this note. It's crazy. My anxiety is so bad. I cannot live independently right now. This is because I care a lot about what people think of me because in my past, I've been rejected for certain tendencies. 
I've been listening to your podcast and I've picked up on a lot of similarities to what I've been through in my life. Well, I'm picking up on similarities to what you've been through in your, in your note here. So that makes two of us. Um, back to the note. I just wanted to know what things you've done to cope with having Asperger's and how you have been able to successfully keep a job, have friends, and start a family. Get back to me at your earliest convenience. Thanks, Skylar. Well, Skylar, fuck, this is going to make me cry talking about this. This note is like everything you said. I'm just like, yup, 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 yup. Completely relate. You're 20. Oh, I'm looking back 20 years ago and I'm just like, holy shit. Um, had I known then what I know now, um, I was struggling with all those things. And my answer was, uh, I drank, I drank and I drank and I drank and I drank and I was drunk. I was drunk or hungover for a really long time. Um, I don't drink anymore. Thank God. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Please don't start drinking. It's not good. You, you already have, I mean, you're already a thousand steps ahead of me. Cause you, you already know you have Asperger's or autism, you know, we're going to talk about that too. Also. Cause a lot of people are going to go, don't say Asperger's cool. We'll get there. Um, oh man, the anxiety, the depression, this sucks, man. Yeah. I'm reading this and I'm just thinking about you being 20, going through all this and it sucks but please don't lose hope you can do it there is help out there whether or not that's from counselors and therapists or whether it's from the internet but you can find help you can please don't give up there are people there are tons of us that are around that you can talk to like me anytime uh, i don't want you to give up this is going to be hard but you can do it and god you're asking me what i've done to cope <sighs> to successfully keep a job, have friends and start a family. I don't feel like I've successfully done any of those things. I mean, I've like so many um, autistic people, I've been through a million different jobs my whole life. I am, as is very common with autistic people, chronically unemployed or underemployed. Um, you know, it's been one of the biggest frustrations of my life is I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm smart. I'm like top 2% IQ, like gifted, identified as gifted as a child. Uh, I, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm super creative, but I just always struggle in different work environments. Um, and I wish there are so many things I wish I had known at your age that I didn't find out till like the last year or two of my life that would have helped me. Um, I, I think of like different jobs I had where just the environment was, terrible i mean i had one job i got this job when i was 25 at a record company and i was so excited it was a really great opportunity i was working with some really great people and the environment of the office building was so bad for me on a sensory level like this there was just this white noise and it was so overwhelming that i hated being there and I would have these anxiety attacks, right? I'd have to leave the building and go outside. And like, it was like, I couldn't breathe and my chest was tight. And I would just try to like get my shit together and then go back in. And I ended up like, I didn't, I, I only lasted in that job for a year and I ended up leaving. And it's like, I didn't know at the time that I was autistic and that I was reacting to the sensory I knew that I didn't like the environment. Like I knew I was like, God, I hate it here. This white noise, like it's, it's driving me crazy, but I didn't know that it was autism and I didn't know 
and I just ended up being like, I can't be here. And I had all these anxiety attacks and I quit and I look back and I go, fuck, if I had known what I know now, I maybe could have um, gotten help. Like if I were in that situation today, I would go talk to my boss and go, Hey, like just FYI, I'm autistic. I'm having sensory issues with this building. Like, can I find, can we figure out a way? Like maybe there's a quiet room that I can do my work in or I can adjust my hours. So, cause I used to go to this job and I would sometimes go in on the weekends because there was barely anyone in the building and I would do my work on the weekends cause it was quiet or I would sometimes stay late at night and after everyone else left the office, cause I felt like I could get more work done. I could get more work done in like three hours in a quiet, empty building than I could in, in like three days of, of the building being full of people. Cause it was just so much difficulty. So I don't know, I mean, and, and like the other thing with jobs too, is like any, I mean, I'm lucky right now I'm at a job I've been at for almost two years. I work, it's a great environment. I work with great people. It's, I work in a restaurant, so it's not ideal as far as the sensory input goes. Um, there's a, I mean, you know, working, working in a restaurant is not ideal for uh, me being autistic, but I make it work. Um, I have, I work with good people. I feel valued and supported in that environment. And that's really important. I've worked in other places. Um, I think something also with autistic people is, is, I mean, I'm making a lot of generalizations here. So, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but the generalizations I'm making is a lot of us are, we are so sensitive to our environments and we are so sensitive to the people around us that if we are working in an environment that is toxic, or with people who are assholes, it really affects us. I think more than it does most people, most people, I mean, no one likes working with assholes or for assholes, but I think a lot of neurotypical people are kind of used to it and they can sort of, well, they can just play the game and be like, well, I'll just put up with this for a while until I move to a next job or get a promotion or they're going to retire in a year anyway. So I can just put up with it till then, like that kind of thing, or they just kind of know how to play the game. Whereas I think, people with autism like we really struggle with that um i'm just thinking of like if i actually i did this last year if i actually wrote down a list of every job i've ever had in chronological order like it is it'll fucking blow your mind because it's like dozens and dozens of different jobs and varied varied you know um i've been a dishwasher i've hosted a tv show i've been a radio show host i've been a touring musician uh, I've worked in a lumber yard. Uh, I've been a house painter. I've been a tile installer. Uh, I've been like, I've worked in a video game arcade. Uh, I've, I've worked in a clothing store. I've worked in a restaurant. I've worked in a liquor store, like all these different things that you just go from job to job. And I think it's really difficult. The job interview process is hell for me. It always has been. Um, because the, you think about that whole process, it's set up to be like, where you just have to like think fast and be like charming and articulate and have these great answers. And these are all things that are set up that is set up for autistic people to fail because I don't think fast. I, I, when I'm on the spot, I freeze. Uh, 
I, I prefer like slow, deliberate conversation than like, well, let me tell you, yeah, like I did, it feels phony to me. So I have a resistance to it. Like there are so many things about it. Um, I feel like I'm being examined and judged, which I know and everyone feels like that in that situation, but it's your ability to cope with it or not. Um, and yeah, I've worked in situations where um, I had a job two years ago that was like, it seemed like a dream job. I got hired to run the front of house at this restaurant with these super rich people and they had this great vision and I could be creative and run the thing. And it was going to be so great. And then I walked in on my very first day, like the other people working in the office were super toxic. It was so bad. I had to all of a sudden navigate all these different personalities that were all playing this political game where they were like talking shit about each other and backstabbing and trying to one up each other all to position themselves at this company. And I was there like, um, just, I, I completely drowned in it. I just could not function, uh, in, in that environment. It was really, really bad. And I just was like, I can't do it. And I think three months I just left. I was like, I'm done. Um, and it didn't help that the people I worked for were assholes. And the one guy who became like the main boss was like super toxic and just really, um, really bad for me. And so I don't know, you're like, it's funny that I read this note and you're saying, how have you been able to successfully keep a job, have friends and start a family? Well, I haven't, you know, it's been a struggle my whole life. Uh, I'm lucky right now, the job I have, I've had for a while. I like it. That's rare for me. That's really rare for me. There's maybe been maybe out of like 40 jobs I've had, maybe three or four of them in my life have been like good where I've been like happy for a long time. So, um, so that's been, you know, have friends, the have friends part. I don't know how to make friends. I don't know how to keep friends. I don't know how to do friendship. It's just not something I understand. Um, being autistic. I don't get it. I meet people. I don't know how to make friends. Um, the friends I have, I always say it like this. It's like, I feel like the friends I have, they adopted me. I don't know why, but the friends I have, and I've only got a couple of really close friends. Like I can count them on one hand, but the ones I have for whatever reason, they adopted me. They decided that we were going to be friends and they did the work of making us friends because I don't know how to do it. So I, I make in those friendships right now, like I make a conscious effort to try to do the things to maintain the friendship because I do love these people. Uh, they are important to me. I do care about them, but I think being autistic, those doing those things doesn't come natural to me. Um, like I just don't often think to call somebody or reach out or, you know, um, if they pop into my head, I'm like, Oh, I hope they're doing well. I miss them. I care about them. Uh, and then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll call them, but I, I don't maybe do that regularly. Um, I have to kind of, remind myself to ask people about them. I think because one of the ways, I, and I think this is common with autistic people is one of the ways we try to relate to other people is by sharing stories. So we go, Oh, I'm going to share this story with you. Or if you tell me something and then so I got something similar, I, I will share my story back to you. And that's like my way of relating to you or showing you that I care. 
but I think it can be sometimes read differently. Like we're, we're making it about us or I'm making it about me. And I, I try to like consciously be aware of that and try to like, make sure I'm not in the conversation talking about myself too much, but I, I always end up do, I do end up talking about myself too much when I'm talking to my friends. I know I do. Um, but, um, it just is what it is. Uh, and I don't always think to ask them about them because I just assume that they'll just tell me about them. Like they'll just start talking about them. But I think there's like a neurotypical thing where you want to be asked or something. I'm not really sure. But uh, so I don't know. Friendships, I don't know. And then how have you been able to successfully start a family? I haven't. I mean, we're not together. Uh, and things seemed pretty great at the beginning. Um, I was, I went, I was going through this process of discovering I was autistic and going through the assessment process while we were together. Uh, we split and I got my diagnosis after. Um, that's a factor. There's some other stuff that was going on with that relationship that I'm, I'm not going to talk about, but, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know starting a family. I don't know. I mean, Hey, it's all learning at this point going forward. Like I've learned a lot about myself and about relationships and about other people and about um, things to look out for in a relationship to know whether or not it's, it's healthy or not. Um, and everything else. So I think any relationship is difficult, has challenges. Uh, any relationship involving an autistic person is going to be challenging, uh, have it, its own different set of challenges. Um, but I think there's also pluses there. I mean, um, and then a relationship between someone who's neurotypical and someone who's autistic is going to have its own set of challenges as far as communication goes and things like that and different needs. And that's, uh, I think all that stuff is navigable. I mean, you just have to learn if two people, love each other i mean you can figure all that stuff out you can just learn each other's communication styles and 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 make accommodations for each other i mean that's what a relationship is or should be is that compassion and that caring and that love and that empathy um and so there's that but uh yeah i don't know um it's funny because i feel like your note here skyler you you think i've got it all figured out i don't man I don't at all. I'm, I'm just sitting here spinning around the sun, just like the rest of you. And I don't, I don't know. Um, I've learned a few things. I got lots more to learn. I got a lot of things I need to let go and a lot of stuff I need to pick up. So, uh, I appreciate your note. Your t I want to hear from you again. I want to know how you're doing. You sounds like you're dealing with a lot and I want you to know that I care about you. And I want to know, please write back, tell me how you're doing. And if you ever want to talk um, on the podcast or off the podcast privately, uh, I, I would love to speak to you and just uh, find out how you're doing. So please write back. Um, do, do, do. And where are we going here? We're going to the next one. Um, I only got, oh, I got three more to go. How long have I been doing this? Anyway, here's the next one. Um, this is from someone named Rose, not the same Rose that was on the show two weeks ago, a different Rose, okay? 
Good morning. I'm not sure where to start, but I'm sure there are a few topics we both might benefit from discussing. I'll have to sort out where to start. I am undiagnosed, um, but I'm wondering if I need it so I can explain myself with proper medical and scientific explanation um, to not alienate myself further. Um, So she's saying here that she has daydreams I have of me telling people with confidence and everyone having a eureka moment and suddenly accepting me and all the things that aren't exactly what people are comfortable with. I've had experienced my honesty about what it all looks like and sometimes it isn't absorbed as planned. Don't, don't we all go through it, you know? Um, uh, I'm wondering what sort of experiences you've had with death and loss and trauma I've had a lot. And if you're interested, you're interested in this subject, I'd be curious to discuss. Oh man. Yeah. So there's kind of two parts there. Um, you're talking about the sort of, uh, coming out as autistic and like, you kind of hope that everyone around you is going to have this Eureka moment and, and suddenly accept you. And that's not what happens. And I don't think that's what's happened for most, most of us. Um, I noticed a few things with that. I noticed some people were resistant. I had people close to me straight up tell me, oh, you're not autistic. You're just, you know, I don't know what. I don't know why they think I would just decide I'm going to put it on like a hat. Um, or that they would somehow know me more than I know me. I don't understand. I can't imagine ever saying that to somebody. Like if somebody called me up and said, Hey, uh, I just found out I'm dyslexic or something. And I would just go, no, you're not. Uh, you're just trying to like make an excuse for why you have trouble reading or writing. And I, and I just feel like, I don't understand how a person, I'm kind of feel myself getting a little wound up about this because it does bring up some emotion. Um, I don't understand how a person could just in an instant decide for you what you are or what you're not without even asking any questions. Like to me, I feel like I would be curious. I, if someone said to me, Hey, I just, I'm discovering, like I've been figuring this stuff out and like, I'm autistic. I, my, my response would be like, wow. Okay. Tell me more. Like, what are you learning? Where, how are you getting here? What are you figuring out? Like, I want to understand. I want to learn about you. I want to, I want to be a place for you to be open to discuss the, the stuff that you're going through uh, and be a place where you can, you can talk without judgment and be supported. So that's been painful to have some people in my life, like some people really close to me, just tell me straight up, like, no, you're not. And I'm like, you don't have any fucking idea what you're talking about. So that's difficult. Um, the lack of support from some other people just are so disinterested, you know, and I noticed this with some, I remember one day I had two appointments. I had a dental appointment and an appointment with, uh, one of the, um, doctors for my assessment process. And I was speaking to a family member that morning and I said, Oh, I've got two appointments today. I've got an assessment appointment for autism and I've got an appointment to get my molar fixed. 
And then at the end of the day, I was speaking to that same family member again, and this person asked me how my dental appointment went. I said it went fine. But they did not ask me about the other appointment. And I noticed that because it's interesting to me. I don't know if people are uncomfortable talking about it or they're just not interested, but, or, you know, if they're uncomfortable and they don't ask about it, then it just comes off like they're not interested. I don't know. It's like a weird thing in the, it's like we are all really comfortable talking about physical medical things. Like if you break your elbow and go get a cast, like no one has any problem asking you, how'd that go? Like, did it hurt? Like, how was, you went to the hospital? Like, tell me about it. You got to go to get your tooth fixed at the dentist. No problem talking about it. Um, you know, you sprained your ankle or anything physical is really easy to discuss. Anything that's in the, um, you know, mental, emotional world, it's, it's uncomfortable. People, so I don't know. That's been weird for me. Um, I feel like, I don't understand why we're so uncomfortable talking about it or so disinterested or so opinionated. I don't understand it at all. Um, I, if someone told me that like, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this or that, like whether it's a disorder or uh, uh, um, even something like depression or anxiety and they're going to get help for it. Like I'd be like asking about it just as much as I would if they, like sprain their thumb, you know, like to me, I'm like, Hey, like, tell me about that. How's that going? Like, I call them a few days later. Like, how are you feeling? Like, are, can I do anything for you? Do you need to talk about it? Do you need any support from me? Like, it's just really strange. So, um, so I don't know. You think you, you just because you have this Eureka moment, you feel like you want to share it and you want everyone around you to have this Eureka moment and they don't. I don't, I didn't have anyone in my life get excited for me or express that they were happy for me or ask me what I needed as far as support goes, or if I wanted to talk about it, like nobody in my life, um, except for, uh, one person. So thank you to that one person, like one of my best friends, uh, he was awesome and, was like, Hey man, I'm always here. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, like, I want to hear about it, you know, but yeah, for the most part, family, not any real support around it. Not just, uh, either straight up telling me I'm full of shit or acting very disinterested and not, not even wanting to talk about it or being uncomfortable. Um, it's like this weird elephant in the room that like nobody, I want to talk about because I'm just open and I'm like, I don't care. I mean, obviously I'm open. I podcasting this whole fucking shit, but it's like, people just don't, uh, I don't know. It's really weird to me. I wish, I kind of wish like my family would just ask me about it. Like, Hey, how is your life different now? What are you doing going forward with this? Like wh what's changing for you? What's not changing for you? Like, what, is there anything we can do to support you? Like, uh, it's just, there's none of that. Or even just showing, it's like fucking, um, not one of them is even like researching on their own. Like I would, if you, if suddenly I found out one of my family members had lupus, well, you better believe I'd be on the internet reading about lupus. Like what are the symptoms? What are the causes? What, what are they going to be dealing with for the next several years of their life? Like, what can I do to support them? 
that's the kind of stuff I'd be reading about because I care about this person and I want to know about what this, how this is affecting their life. Um, if someone had MS or someone had Lou Gehrig's or one of these other things, Parkinson's like, is that Lou Gehrig's? Is that this? No, whatever. Uh, I would want to know. So it's the same thing. It's like, I'm, but here's another thing I've learned is you cannot have any expectations about other people because you are immediately just setting yourself up for disappointment. So that's something I have been learning this last year and really focusing on is like letting go of any expectations I have about other people. My expectations of other people, I need to just drop because once you drop those expectations, then you're not going to feel disappointed because there's nothing to be disappointed about. And you realize that other people have their own lives, their own shit going on. And, um, you know, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's strange to me because I feel like even, I mean, this was a, a big sign, I think with my, my, my partner before that, um, I bought a book that was like all about relationships and it was like relationships between neurotypical and autistic people And this book with this, by this counselor who counsels people and had all these examples of real couples in the book and like different issues. And I bought this book thinking this is something that we could both read and be interested in and it could help our relationship. And I was just sort of met with indifference. Like, uh, and, and, and again, I'm not upset about that. I'm not blaming that. I am not putting that out there in any negative way towards another person. Um, because we already, you know, I won't get into it, but our relationship already had whatever problems it had. So, uh, so again, I'm not in any way, but it's just the kind of thing where you kind of go, Hey, like this could help us. And then when, so you have an expectation that this other person is going to be interested or be like, Hey, great. I'll read this. And like, let's work on this stuff. And then if they don't, you get disappointed. You're like, Oh, well this sucks. And now I feel even more kind of, um, you know, whatever I feel. So, you know, so it's that with friends, with family. So I just don't have any expectation. I just, I'm happier now. I've, there are certain people in my life I had expectations around that I, I was constantly being disappointed by. And once I've dropped those expectations, I just feel so much better and so much weight off my shoulders. And I, I, I could see some of these behaviors where I would be repeating the same things with those people and feeding into like a loop of constantly feeling disappointment by trying to reach out to these people and not having that being reciprocated and then feeling disappointed and then I just stopped doing it and I just went, I don't need to do that anymore. And I just, Oh, I feel so much better. So I don't know. I get what you're I, in this note. Like you're saying, like you want to have this eureka moment where everything's going to just be comfortable and accept you. It's not going to happen. Uh, and I'd love to hear from other people. Um, if, if, uh, if, um, if you came out as autistic to your friends, family, coworkers, and what that experience was like for you, because you know did you get support were people comfortable were they accepting were they interested did they acknowledge it did they uh ask you what you needed or help you support like support you or other ways or did they deny it or tell you you're full of shit or just kind of ignore it and hope it goes away because they're uncomfortable like i want to hear about that um sorry this is going long but the second part of your note, you asked me what sort of experiences I've had with death and loss and trauma. And you said, I have had a lot. If you're interested in this subject, I'd be curious to discuss. Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of experience with death, loss, trauma. 
And I've been doing a lot of work this year to uncover a lot of that stuff uh, from childhood. Um, yeah, we went through a pretty traumatic childhood. I, I don't think I'm going to get into many details here. Um, I don't care about for myself talking about stuff, but when it comes to um, the private business of my family, um, I don't know that I want to put anything out into the ether that uh, could affect them. So I'll keep that relatively private. But yes, I had a very traumatic childhood. I think when I look back on it, being autistic, being highly sensitive, like I'm a really, really sensitive person. I think it a lot of these things affected me in very deep, profound, traumatic ways. Um, so there's a lot of heavy lifting I've been doing in this last year in particular um, to work through a lot of that stuff, to uncover a lot of it, a lot of these like, um, survival mechanisms and things that that my psychology developed that I, I'm kind of uh, untying the knots of and 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 growing through. Um, but yeah, death loss. Yeah, I've been fascinated by death since a very young age. Um, even as a teenager, I got very into meditating on death, contemplating death, reading a lot of uh, books um you know eastern philosophy kind of stuff um book of the dead and buddhist zen taoist books and um meditating and all this stuff and spending a lot of time contemplating death a lot of time thinking about it going for long walks and just pondering death itself i mean it's such a crazy concept to get your head around when, when you have that first realization of oh i'm gonna die whoo that's big and if you're kind of a, if you're a sensitive person or you're a, a deeper, if you feel deeply, then when you have those realizations, they can be pretty powerful and affect you for a long time. And um, I've, I look at, I'd like to try to look at life constantly through the lens of death, meaning, um, I mean, it helps to let a lot of things go. When you realize, you think about things, you go, am I going to care about this when I'm on my deathbed? Am I going to care about this in 10 years? Am I going to care about this? And then a lot of stuff you realize, no, I'm not going to care about this at all uh, when I'm dying. So what am I going to care about when I'm on my deathbed? Well, those are the things I need to focus on. Love, family, um, creativity, um, fulfillment. I think that's really important is are you living a life that's fulfilling to you? Are you doing what your intuition tells you you are meant to be doing? Um, those kind of things, which when I'm recording this podcast, I absolutely am. So that feels good. Um, so yeah, Rose, let's talk about it. I want to talk about those things. Uh, trauma is huge. I have just been through a situation recently where I have uncovered um, trauma that I was unaware of in my own life. A situation that I was experiencing trauma for an extended period of time and I'm only now seeing it clearly. And it's really eye-opening. It's 
kind of painful to process, but it's also uh, feels good to process and grow from and understand. And yeah, so yeah, I mean, the thing about it is when you experience trauma, you experience death, you experience loss, I mean, it does make you stronger and smarter. And I think if you approach it from the right way, it can help you to be more loving and more accepting and more supportive uh, of, of the good people who in your life who um, deserve that. So that's awesome. Um, anyway, Rose, reach out to me again. Let's talk about it. Um, I feel like this has been going on a while, but I'm going to try to do two more. I got a bunch more here, but let's just do like one or two more quick ones. Uh, this one's from Leslie in Baltimore. Hey, Baltimore. I've been there once. Um, looking for support from my Aspie son. He wants to make new friends other than the one or two high school friends he has. He's 27 and he works full time. Um, yeah, this is tough, man. I think I talked about this. I did talk about this a few minutes ago. Making friends is hard. Um, I always had this thing where I always had like a million acquaintances, but like only, but very few close friends. And sometimes in my life, I didn't even have any close friends. Um, man, if he's got one or two friends from high school that he's still close with, that's awesome. I mean, that's great. Um, it's better than none. Uh, wants to make new friends. So, okay. Everyone write in, let us tell us, tell Leslie, how, how is her 27 year old autistic son going to make new friends? I always think the best way to make friends is through an interest, you know, um, what's your hobby? What are you into? Do you like, do you like sports? Do you like comic books? Do you like music? Do you like art? Like, do you like playing chess? Like whatever do you like photography, whatever interest you have, focus on that, join a club, go to meetings, go to, I mean, you can't right now, obviously, but in regular times, like go, go to meetings, join clubs, go to events. If you're into art, then go to gallery openings and all that kind of shit. I know that's not easy if you're sometimes like socially awkward and autistic, but you know what I'm saying? It's easier when you have something to do. Like if you're into chess, you can go to like a chess club. You have a thing to do, which is play chess. So it's not like you have to just stand there and figure out how to talk to people. You can actually be doing a thing, you know, uh, get into like a something, get into mountain climbing, get into hiking, get into cycling, get into something. I mean, that's what I would say. Uh, and then you're just going to meet people who are into that. It gives you a thing to do and a thing to talk about. And you're just going to develop a friendship naturally with, because you're, you're into cycling. Well, you can talk about your bike and, Oh, I got these tires and I use these gears and I use this kind of braking system. And I have this kind of helmet or whatever. I mean, I don't know anything about biking. I just, I'm guessing at the kinds of things you would end up talking about, but, or, or, you know, so I don't know. Good luck, Leslie. Good luck, Leslie's son. Right back. Let me know what you're doing. One more. I have a few ideas for your next podcast. Can you talk about what strategies or how you deal with communication misunderstandings or what strategies or ways does your partner use to help you when you're struggling with something or when you have a really bad, frustrating moment? How does she feel about it? And does she have any suggestions on how to do better with how to handle situations? What do you and her both do when you feel frustrated when it comes to Aspie related issues? Uh, from Josh. Well, thanks, Josh. Um, good question. Um, we're not together anymore. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I just recently, uh, 
in the last, as we know, in the last year or two, figured out I'm autistic. Now just got an official diagnosis. Any relationship I would, I mean, right now I can't even think about getting into another relationship, but you know, I'm sure it'll happen at some point in the future. Uh, any relationship I would get into going forward, I would be, I would have to be very upfront and honest about being autistic and about just with that person working on ways to communicate. Um, I also think um, I listen to uh, the Dax Shepard podcast a lot, armchair expert. I, I just love it. And he talked about when, when he and uh, Kristen Bell first got together, like within a couple of months, they started going to counseling right away. And he said it was the best thing they could do because right away they could like figure out whatever communication issues they would have or their different, their own personal traumas and what triggers they had. And they could just get all that stuff figured out early and then move forward. And I just think about, it's, it's so interesting because so many times in relationships, people, you end up in counseling um, at the end when things have gone wrong and it's like, why don't we do that at the start? You know, um, you, you know, you think about it, like going to the dentist, like if you just never go to the dentist and then one day, like five years go by and all of a sudden you've got this horrible toothache and you go in and they go, Oh yeah, your molars are completely rotten. We've got to like pull this stuff out and like drill in there and dig out all this crap and then completely rebuild you a new fake tooth. And it's going to, it's going to be super painful. You got to come back like three times for this process. It's going to hurt like hell. and It's going to cost you $1,400 and you go, Oh, and you could have prevented all of that if you just um, brushed your teeth, flossed your teeth, and went in for a cleaning every six months and spent the whatever, right? So I'm kind of using that analogy of a dentist with like relationships, like, you know, um, my most recent relationship, like, could it have been different had we been seeing a counselor from the beginning and I don't know the answer to that question but my intuition tells me that most relationships that fail could have been very different had they been in counseling early so um I have a, a friend right now who who I've been talking to about this because you know he's not having major problems but they're having some in his relationship, they're having some, you know, some communication issues and kind of getting upset with each other a little more than he's comfortable with. And I was talking to him about that. And I said, you know, like, same thing, like, go to counseling, like, don't wait till you're in crisis, start going now. Like, I know, go for me going forward, like any relationship I would ever get in going forward, like we would be kind of like a dental checkup. I would say, hey, you know, I think we should just go see a counselor twice a year, like just every six months, go in for a checkup, just go in individually and then together. So every six months, just we each go in our, ourselves and then we go in together and we just have that person kind of help, you know, give our relationship a, a dental cleaning, just help us identify, because you go to for dental cleaning, well, they might see, oh, okay, right here, I see uh, this could turn into a cavity. So this spot right here, we're going to do a little something here so it doesn't get bad. 
So it's the same thing with that, with a relationship where you could go in and see a counselor and they could go, okay, I'm seeing a little bit of an issue developing here. And I think we should address it before it grows. And it's the same thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's so weird. I'm only six months out from my last relationship. So at this point, I'm not even thinking about, uh, you know, a new relationship right now. I'm just kind of like, I'm in the whole, like, I'm working on me phase, uh, you know, uh, which is great. Just like running and reading lots and meditating and just kind of healing and, and, and uh, you know, seeing a counselor and just healing. And that's fine. That's what we do. And, you know, um, there's no uh, anger or anything about it. It's just acceptance of like, this is just where it is. It's what it is. And we can all try to move forward in the most positively spirited and healthiest and most supportive way possible for all involved and especially for um, our daughter, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, going forward, um, relationships are tricky for anyone. Um, but I think, yeah, um, I just think that um, as far as like, directly related to autism i mean yeah if you're going to be if you're autistic and you're going to be in a relationship with somebody who is neurotypical then there are certain things about um your your life autistic that they are going to have to understand and you as the autistic person in the relationship are going to have to understand that there are some neurotypical things that you are not going to understand and you're going to have to try with with them so i mean little examples of uh you know we had this conversation with my my last partner when i first started discovering autism and i was learning you know realizing the sensory overload and we had a conversation about like a christmas party so i went with her to her family's christmas party it's a big family it's like 100 people uh, in this house and there's just so many people and so much white noise all these little blah, 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 conversations and my sensory like i just go and shut down so that i'm just sitting in a corner somewhere in a chair like pretending to flip through a magazine or something or i don't know like i'm sitting there and people are all around me talking and i can't really hear anybody because it's all the noise and i'm not really engaged with everyone because i'm just trying to survive at that point and I remember talking to her about it and I was explaining that to her and she went, Oh, I just thought you were rude and standoffish. And I went, Oh, so that's the kind of thing that could be an issue where uh, I was like, no, I'm not rude. I'm not disinterested in meeting your family and getting to know them. Like I would love to, this is just not the ideal environment for me to do that to go into an environment where I'm meeting, you know, 50 or 50 people all at once and have all these little mini conversations and there's all this noise and sensory input. It's like, I I'm struggling to get through that. Like for me, I'm just in survival mode the whole time. I'm just trying to get through it. It's not enjoyable. I'm, you know, yeah, maybe I'm coming off like a kind of a, like you said, standoffish or rude. And I don't mean to, uh, I just, I'll be sitting right next to somebody in that environment. There's so much noise around me. I can't hear them. I can't, I'm just looking at them going, I can't hear you. 
So, I mean, that's the kind of thing where somebody, if you're going to, if you're neurotypical and you're going to be with somebody who's autistic, you're going to have to accept and support that person with those things. And when someone you're with says, Hey, I'm autistic. This is too much. This is affecting me this way. You, I can't do this particular thing or maybe I can do it, but I can only do it for a small amount of time. And then I got to go like that kind of thing. Then just be supportive. Uh, and, and, you know, same thing, like, and, and communication, I think is huge. Like I would, I remember times when we'd be talking and, you know, with, with, and I would say something and it's like, she's hearing all this other stuff that she thinks is attached to the words I'm using, like other meanings and like, I'm getting at something else or I'm hinting at something. And I would be like, no, no. When I say something, the words I use, that's exactly what I mean. Like I am, I like to use words to their exact definition, like what's in the dictionary. So if we have a conversation and you're using words with a slightly different meaning than what the dictionary definition is, I'm going to find that confusing as well. So I don't know. I mean, these are things that so many people out there are dealing with so many undiagnosed autistic people or late diagnosed. I mean, imagine you're in a marriage for 20 years and then all of a sudden you've discovered that you're autistic. Like, what does that look like? Um, you know, so, and you gotta be with someone that's okay with it and comfortable with it. You know, I think some people out there, they're just uncomfortable with it. Um, I think some people, they don't want to be with someone who's autistic. They're just not comfortable with that. They, whatever. And I don't, you know, we can talk about that sort of like ableism and internalized ableism and kind of like shame around it or embarrassment. Um, I certainly feel like that with some people in my life that they don't want to associate with me because I'm autistic and there's a bit of a rejection there, a bit of embarrassment about it, a bit of like something's wrong with me. Um, you know, and certainly that can be a strong feeling in, in a, in a relationship where that person just feels like, uh, no, I don't, I, I can't deal with this. And also that person can feel like, um, there are things about you that they won't accept or don't like that they will then associate those things with, with your autism and think, oh, well, that person uh, you know, I can't deal with this because that person will never change these particular things that I, 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 I can't deal with or that I don't like. Um, and that's unfortunate, but it is what it is, you know? So, I mean, you just got to accept it and move forward. But, uh, yeah, as far as strategies, I mean, acceptance is one supports another. Like the, if you're with somebody, if you're neurotypical with somebody who's autistic, like you have to be willing and able to accept and support them. I mean, I always make analogies to physical things because I think that demonstrates what I'm talking about, but it's like, you know, I would, here's one like, okay, dyspraxia. I am clumsy. I don't have a good sense of the space around me. So in our home, like I would have this thing where I would say we have to keep pathways clear. So places where we have to walk from one place to another, there can't be things on the floor or things hanging off the walls 
in the pathway because then I'm bumping into stuff and I'm tripping on stuff. And I would all the time because the person I was with would just leave things on the floor in the way of the path. And like my body, I don't have the best sense of where I am in space because of dyspraxia. So I would often bump into things or trip on things. And I would say to her, like, I would use the analogy. I go, so if you lived with a blind person, you would not move things around because that blind person needs to know in their mental map, in their head, where everything is. You wouldn't just like move a chair into the place where they normally walk. You wouldn't leave things on the floor that they could trip on. Like you wouldn't hang something off the wall that's like hanging this far off the wall where they usually walk, where they would bump into it. So it's like you, if you were partnered with and lived with someone who was blind, there are just certain things you would have to do to accommodate their blindness, right? Not leaving things on the floor, etc. So I would kind of use that analogy with, with, um, you know, um, this previous partner, like, you know, with my dyspraxia, it's the same. It's not, I'm not blind. I can see, but the information of what I'm seeing and then how my body reacts, it's not doing, it's not doing well. So I could see something and I can still bump into it. Or I, I don't know where I am in space. Like I'm always bumping in to walls and doorways and things all the time. Uh, any sort of small space, I need a wider space to operate in. So that was one of those things where it's like, because this is an invisible disability, it's hard for people to understand. They're like, well, why don't you just see what it is? And, don't trip on the thing and don't bump into shit. Like, and then, you know, I mean, these are a whole other set of conversations you can have with where someone can just be like, well, you're just not trying or you're just, why do I have to do this for you and all this other stuff? And I mean, that's just, that's where conversations can go negative. And I don't really um, want to focus on that. I just, you know, I try to make, I think analogies to physical things, for me are helpful because it can kind of hopefully show somebody. So that's an analogy I would make for, for one example of like someone with dyspraxia. It's like, okay, you would make these accommodations for someone who's blind. I need similar accommodations for dyspraxia. And like, if you can understand that great, if you can't understand it, you still have to do it if we're going to be together because I, it's something I need. Um, so, you know, um, and then, yeah, communication is another one. It's like there's that direct communication. Um, it's tricky, man, because I think a lot of autistic people, we're highly sensitive, but we also can have kind of like very direct and direct communication and, and kind of black and white thinking in some ways and, you know, other stuff. So it, it's it's not always easy, but there are ways. And I mean, if you love somebody, and if you love somebody unconditionally and you accept them unconditionally, then all of this shit can be worked out. It just takes sort of trial and error and, um, and uh, figuring it out. So I don't know if that helps you there, Josh, with your question, but I hope it does. Um, you know, relationships are tough at the best of times and, and they're also amazing. I mean, human connection is such a wonderful thing. Um, I certainly, um, I'm not going to give up on, on relationships. And, um, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think communication is the biggest part and then, and just accepting somebody and supporting somebody. If somebody expresses a need and says, 
I need X. You go, okay. And you don't have to understand that need. You do not have to understand that need. That need might make no sense to you. You might just look at that and go, I don't understand how that's even a thing. But if that's what you need, then like, if I need to make a couple of small changes to like the way I do things to accommodate something that's really important to you, I don't think that's that big a deal, you know? But it does have to go both ways. So the other thing is, I don't think if you're autistic and you're in a relationship with a neurotypical person, you can't, it's not all about, well, you have to accommodate all these things for me. It's like the autistic person also has to try to do their best to accommodate the other person, like anyone in any relationship. Um, that being said, I think anybody who is really loving and really compassionate and is neurotypical and in a relationship with someone who's autistic might also come to the realization that this autistic person that I love is living in a neurotypical world, which is a constant struggle and challenge and stress for them. So maybe when they're with me at home, maybe I can help them out a little bit, you know, or just be a safe place for them to be. Um, which bring, yeah, which just makes me think of also being a safe place to accept them. If, if you're with someone who's autistic and they're going to have like, they're stressed out or going to have a meltdown or they're stimming or whatever, like you got to just be okay with it. Uh, Cause if they have to keep masking at home, it's going to be really uh, not good for everyone in the long term. So, um, okay. Well, I'm sick of talking. It's getting a little lighter outside now. This, you know, uh, it's still cloudy, but the sun's coming up, but I want to go for a walk. Um, I'm really lucky to live here. I'm looking right now off the back deck and it's just the woods and a path down to the river uh, and trails. And it's such an awesome awesome place to live and I'm so lucky and I want to um, just get outside now it's a winter day there's snow everywhere it's windy but it's gorgeous I'm just going to put on my big winter boots and a parka and go for a walk in the woods down to the river and yeah so have a great day everybody thanks for listening thanks for watching I'm going to put this on YouTube too so if you're into the into looking at my pretty face for an hour you can or you can just listen to it when you're, you know, driving or doing dishes or whatever you do. Uh, thanks for everybody who sent me those um, comments and questions. Thanks, uh, you know, if you heard your comment and question on here, I, again, like I said, I'd love to hear back from you. Thanks to everybody listening. Please send me more comments and questions. And if you are anyone who is interested in being featured on the podcast, coming on to have a conversation with me, uh, I'd love to have you on. It's such a, it's one of the, my favorite things I get to do in this life right now is have these conversations with these other autistic adults. Um, a few more things I wanted to get to. I'm just not going to get to today. Uh, I've gotten a couple notes recently about, um, functioning labels and that issue and I know it's something that is being talked about a lot there's a lot of uh, how do I say this a lot of conversation 
within the autism community about this. I am interested in this topic as I'm interested in all topics uh, related to, to autism and everything. Um, I'm still reading different points of view on it. I personally am, I want to have somebody on to discuss it. It's, it's a pretty contentious issue. A lot of emotion attached to it. Uh, I've had a couple of really difficult exchanges recently. A few people messaging me in, in ways that I thought were a bit aggressive about this, this topic. And I, I maybe didn't react um, as elegantly as I could have or would have liked to. Uh, just because I, I don't like, I mean, I, I struggle with anybody telling me what to do. Or um, I feel like when people just want to uh, convert you to their religion, and they just keep kind of like giving you the dogma and you're going, I've already heard the dogma and I don't agree with it. And they just keep giving you the same dogma, like trying to beat you over the head with it. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm always open. This is the thing. I am always open to changing my opinion or my point of view. And I'm always open to conversation around any topic, but I don't react well if I feel like somebody is just trying to beat me over the head with their opinion and beat me into submission to the point where I just go, okay, okay, okay. I agree. I agree. I'll do what you tell me. Like I never liked that way of communicating. And I feel like with this particular topic, there are a few, there are a few particular subjects within the greater autism conversation that I feel like there's kind of this toe the line attitude where like, if you don't agree with this, then you're a bad person. And that has never been an appealing uh, way to communicate for me. I do not like it or react well anytime somebody says, um, you have to think the way I do or you are terrible. Uh, because no, that's just not how it works. You know, um, good people can also have different opinions and as soon as you say if you believe x then you are bad then you are are you're not you're no longer open to a conversation you're just at that point uh labeling people and um categorizing people and uh demonizing people and i don't i don't dig that so you know, I had a couple of exchanges recently. I had some, a couple of people message me and get kind of aggressive. And, and I just replied back, like pretty much fuck you go away kind of vibe. And which, you know, I'm not, it's just, I'm, I'm tired of it. I, 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 I'm open to a conversation. I'm not open to having someone beat me over the head with their opinion. And, and again, I am always open to changing my opinion. That's how I think everyone should live their life. Like if you encounter an opinion that makes more sense is more reasonable is more logical or you encounter evidence that supports something different than what you believe then you should always be open to changing but uh not just because somebody um beats you over the head with it or threatens you so anyway that's a conversation i do want to discuss later on in this podcast i would love to have somebody on to talk about it but uh, uh, I'm not going to get into it right now. I was kind of thinking I would address it today, but I've been talking for too long. I'm sick of my own voice. So I'm going to go now. Uh, I love you all. This is the last podcast for this year. Um, 
starting about two weeks, two or three weeks in, in January, we're going to start doing this uh, once a week. Um, thanks to uh, 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 Drew, who's uh, going to be helping me produce this and help us kind of get things more organized. Um, yeah. Anyway, what a year. Fuck. I mean, personally and for everybody, this has just been such a mind fuck of a year. But I just want to tell you all that I appreciate you. I love you. I accept you for who you are unconditionally. And I love you unconditionally from the bottom of my heart. And I wish you all uh, a happy new year. And uh, yeah, let's, um, let's just have, a, have the best 2021 we can. And let's all just try to really um, listen to each other, be open to each other, and be here for each other in the best way we can. And uh, again, please write me, send me messages, like, like, and share and all that stuff and leave podcast reviews and do all those things you can to support. And if you would like to support this podcast and support me making this podcast, um, I, I would, I could really appreciate that because uh, this COVID thing has certainly hurt my financial reality this year. And I'm not going to lie. There are some struggles there sometimes. And uh, I do this podcast and I love doing it. But if you think it's worth supporting, then um, you can support me. Uh, if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash Ryan Summers, R-Y-A-N-S-O-M-E-R-S, then you can support me there. Um, and let me just double check and make sure that's right. Make sure I'm giving you the right link, right? <laughs> so I'm not just going, sending you to somebody else. Because wouldn't that be funny? Just one sec. I'm just looking this up here. Trying to find it. Isn't it on? Isn't it on? Where's the website? Buymeacoffee.com. Buymeacoffee.com. Then I need to sign in. My page, yes, buymeacoffee.com slash Ryan Summers, R-Y-A-N-S-O-M-E-R-S. So if you would like to support this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Ryan Summers and uh, throw me a few bucks. I'd appreciate it. It'll help uh, buy me a coffee. So, okay. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year. I love you. And uh, yeah, write me. Tell me how you're doing. And we will talk soon, okay? Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, I hope you got something out of this show. If you'd like to support this podcast, please do so. You can find us on all social medias at The Life Autistic. Um, look for us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Please like, comment, share, send us questions, the Life Autistic Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please reach out. We are uh, setting up a Patreon account soon for those who would like to support. We've had a few people, uh, a number of people message and uh, ask me how they can support this podcast, which is much appreciated. 
And I do currently have something set up on the site called Buy Me a Coffee, where you can uh, throw a few bucks our way to help us with producing the show. So anyway, again, thanks for listening. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And take care. Peace. The Life Autistic. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.